This is the First Bet Racing Show on HRRN. Noted's knifing between horses with reminder on his back. Palm tree getting started on the outside. They straighten away for home in the pulpit. Still plenty of hopes here. On the outside, Palm Tree getting loose when he needs to. General Ledger just took the lead. Double your money's at the rail. Noted is running on, but his time is ticking away. Here comes Noted. Here comes Reminder. Noted's rolling. Does he have enough time? Noted in time. Close then for second. Either Reminder or Palm Tree. General Ledger's fourth. 127. And one. Now here's Bobby Newman and Bob Nastanovich. Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the First Bet Racing Show here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. I'm Bobby Newman along with Bob Nastanovich, and we've got live racing action from around North America this afternoon. Eighth and final race on the Thursday Aqueduct card. Horses are in the paddock. We've got about eight minutes to post there. Also live racing to come from both Fairgrounds and Woodbine. Bob, I thought we were going to be able to get the finale from Gulfstream Park in, but they actually moved their races up today. So their card is done, and that's probably because the weather's a little sour here in South Florida. Now it's been raining on and off all day, all yesterday as well, and it's supposed to continue tomorrow and be really bad on Saturday. Yeah, that's kind of amazing because, you know, of course, we're used to at Gulfstream Park that they usually lag about seven to ten minutes behind the scheduled post that you see printed uh, before the races start. But, yeah, uh, look like pretty um, sketchy weather conditions there, and obviously um, out of respect to the horsemen and the audience, they they uh, squeeze the post times, and uh, which is kind of a shame because I thought the ninth race was a, a very interesting uh, race from the standpoint is I wanted to see how they were going to bet the race. It was a maiden claiming 25 going 5 eighths, which isn't per se so interesting, but we had uh, a runner owned by my racehorse, um, which uh, you've instructed me several times over the last year or so how those horses tend to be overbet and a horse ridden by irad ortiz and they also tend to be overbet but alas uh be lucky uh, neither of those two horses the three horse won it pretty comfortably in on a wet track yeah when it comes to betting you know races that either irad ortiz is on somebody or even more so when my racehorse owns all or a piece of run of the runners if you think you can beat those horses you are very likely going to get a better price than maybe you should be getting and on the other side if you like those horses uh, you're going to have to accept probably a lower price uh, than maybe what you should be getting uh, just because it seems like everyone's betting those horses uh, anyway back to what's going on with the weather here in South Florida. So I don't know exactly what this is, but it's just supposed to be nothing but rain on Saturday. Um, it's been kind of misty on and off, a little pesky uh, rainfall yesterday and today. It's supposed to be a little bit worse tomorrow and just awful Saturday. So if you like to wager on the races from Gulfstream Park, and I know a lot of us do, I would plan for racing to be off the turf all through uh, the next few days. In fact, I, I think right now, and, and you and I are going to talk about the Allen Jerkin Stakes, which is a two-mile turf race as part of our weekend stakes preview tomorrow night. My advice would be to handicap the, that race 
for the synthetic track. If they run the races at all Saturday, uh, they'll be off the turf. There's a much better chance of them not running Saturday than they're actually being turf racing on Saturday. It's just one of those rare weeks of weather in the winter. You don't see them here that often in South Florida uh, where it's just nonstop rain and Saturday is just supposed to be awful. Uh, Folks, download the First Bet app on your iPhone or visit first.com forward slash bet to sign up and play the races. Sign up with the promo code BETHRRN. No spaces there. B-E-T-H-R-R-N to receive $10 free bet plus a 100% deposit match up to $150 on your first deposit within the first 14 days of signing up. Well, we don't have Gulfstream today, but we do have the finale at Aqueduct coming up, Bob, and they're on the track warming up for this eighth and final race on the Thursday card in Jamaica, Queens. 40 degrees, but sunny skies right now in New York, and the track is fast as we get ready for race number eight. It is a one-turn mile maiden special weight event for the New York-bred uh, three-year-olds and up. We've got a field of eight going to post in here. By the way, Luis Rivera, the uh, junior, rather, I was going to say Luis Rivera the second, but Luis Rivera Jr. uh, picking up the mount on number five, Twirling Vine. Uh, Betting public is going with number two, Clever Forever in this spot. Clever Forever coming off a nice second-place finish in his most recent start. According to the first bet AI, you need to look at number six, Scherzando for Gary Siaka and Javier Castellano. 24% chance to win, according to the first bet AI, and that's pretty good considering that he is 7-1. to one. Yeah, let me start off with a question for you, Bob. The three-horse Ray Fua in here, trained by Peter Walter. Um, on previous shows, you've mentioned how the purse structure is... Uh, way more inviting at Aqueduct and then even uh, Gulfstream during the championship meet. We we all know that Peter Walter has been a, a force in, in Florida racing, particularly South Florida racing for decades now. I assume he has a string uh, both in New York and Florida. Is that correct? Yeah, I would say way more in Florida than in New York. Uh, simply because he likes to play a lot of the claiming game and he's got some turf horses and he doesn't mind running on the synthetic track. Uh, Plus, I mean, he's a guy who walks around in short sleeves all the time. I'm pretty sure he'd rather be for the most, except maybe for this weekend, he'd rather be in South Florida during the wintertime. Right. So, yeah, this is a New York bread. So he has his New York bread running at Aqueduct, which, of course, makes perfect sense. Uh, Horse looks very live. Uh, ran a brave second, chasing uh, the winner, uh, Prince of the Truth, home uh, over six and a half on October 28th uh, over this racetrack. Um, the two horse uh, deserve favorite. Look, clever forever. Um, Albert Freed, uh, owner breeder. He, of course, of affirmed success fame, a grand old horse trained by Rick Schossberg, oh, about 20 or so years ago. Um, I believe, I think he won 17 races in the end, but he was a real war horse uh, for Schossberg. Um, has his horses with Pletcher now, Clever Forever, ridden by Ken- Kendrick Carmouchier, uh, four for 10 for Pletcher in the last uh, 60 days. Um, ran a race that suggested he was about to win his maiden on November 16th. Can't argue with anybody that takes the short price there. Um, I'm kind of pleased that the five horse in here, Twirling Bine, is live on the board. Um, gets Lasix. That's a positive. Stretches out. According to his pedigree, that looks like a big positive. And the best race of his career came after a freshening on June 9th at Belmont. So I think he's fresh and ready for, for a career best and a fair price. So I'm just hoping for a little bit more, but that's my selection. 
All right. So what, the, what's the price on the horse you like right now? Uh, Twirling Vine is currently eight to one. He was about six or seven to one, so he's on the drift, and he's twelve to one on the morning line. All right, eight to one with Luis Rivera Jr. First time Lasix on Twirling Vine. And uh, at 8-1, to one, uh, getting some action down from that morning line, as Bob mentioned. Favorite remains, number two, Clever Forever. Not to be convinced with Clever Trevor, who was a very, very good horse, uh, you know, some 30 years ago or so, especially out in Oklahoma. But Clever Forever coming off a, a nice second-place finish effort last time out, going seven furlongs. On the main track, he was making up ground in the late stages. He's bred to go long, being by Lauban out of a smart strike mare. And they're all in the gate for the finale at Aqueduct. From in between horses, Barry Funny right out to the front and also Refua's in the early mix. They line up here. Twirling Vine wants to join them up on the far outside. Here comes Dolly's Bank to be up with the pressure as well as they get set to come out of the chute. Down towards the inside, there is Refua, twirling vine in between horses, three wide. That's Dolly's Bank. Very funny. Broke on top, and Manny Franco is going to settle in, is now tracking in fifth. As here comes a move from Scherzando out in the center of the racetrack, is progressing forwards. Dropping back quickly was Refua. Just had to drop back, lost some ground, is now back in the fourth position. As there's Barry Funny, who's back for more here up on the outside here, has now reclaimed that fourth position. Domination, Jose Lescano there, shoved along towards the back of the pack as Clever Forever with the early trailer. Muggsy Fury, 23 seconds flat. For that opening quarter mile, they bandy back and forth and they move into the far turn. Twirling Bine with the head in front. Dolly's Bank is right there, two wide. Three wide is going to be Scherzando, and here's Barry Funny, who's had the journey. Barry Funny is out in the clear, is four wide coming out the Lears. Refua, who dropped back on the backstretch, is back from war here, is bottled up in behind rivals. Here comes Clever Forever, Kendra Carmouche. They're on the move, and from the back, Muggsy Fury is rallying on with Domination, who's now the trailer four across the racetrack as they approach the top of the stretch, and Twirling Vine is still there. Twirling Vine is battling on. Refua finds the seam, and here's Refua in the clear, and Refua has put ahead in front is Refua. Very funny. Clever forever on the grandstand side is chasing as well. Refua is trying to close the deal. Here's Refua in front. Clever forever is launching late. Refua is almost there. Clever forever alone. Second twirling vine battling on still third. Refua. Trim McCarthy wins the finale. Clever forever second then came. Twirling vine the late run from Muggsy Fury in one minute 39. Flat. He called it 3-2-5-1. I thought it was 3-2-5-4. Pretty close there for fourth between numbers four and one. No doubt about the top three, though, and especially the winner, number three, Refua. Bob, you mentioned this New York bred for Peter Walder. 0 for 19 coming into this race today, uh, but found the right field and gets the job done, making the 20th time the charm. Yeah, it looked like he found a, found a group of New York bred maidens um, maybe that are a little bit wind shy. And uh, he sat right behind uh, Twirling Vine, who was uh, going that far for the first time in uh, his career. Didn't run a bad race. Look, you know, he set the pace in what's been a very golden rail at Aqueduct. Um, dug deep and kind of stayed on pretty nicely for third. Uh, but uh, the race, perfect trip for Refua. And um, kind of interesting in there, the four-horse Barry Funny uh, trained by David Donk for uh, Repley Stables in St. Elias. Uh, Donk's having a tough go. Of course, he famously trained Awad back in the day. Fantastic turf horse. Um, ran okay, got going too late, as did the favorite. Just too late, but uh, again, another second place to, uh, check for the favorite. Uh, Clever Forever who went off at 7-5. to five. 
Yeah, and by the way, the announcer was wrong. I was right. The four did finish fourth. Why would you? There's no reason to call a close finish unless you're absolutely sure because you don't get any credit if you're right and you look like a jackass if you're wrong. And he was wrong on this one. Don't call the one fourth if the one wasn't fourth or you're not sure. Three, two, five, four, the unofficial order of finish in the eighth and final at Aqueduct. We'll get you paid in a few minutes. We got to get over to Fairgrounds, though, because they're getting close to post time for race number six on the card. This race begins the dollar pick six today there. 60 degrees, mostly uh, cloudy skies right now. Main track fast, turf course firm, and Bob's first bet of the day comes in this race. A maiden special weight event for the two-year-olds sprinting six furlongs. Uh, I can tell you this. The two-to-one favorite on the board is the horse who is the choice of the first bet AI, and that's number six, Runaway Joke, who's had three career starts thus far and really was not super close in any of those three races. Who do you like in here, Bob? Yeah, interesting race in that uh, this is a maiden special weight for two-year-olds with a $35,000 purse, but there's a big restriction here. This is uh, for horses that sold or uh, were bought back for $50,000 at sale. So uh, none of the incredibly expensive horses or anything like that. We'll actually see those uh, later on in this card. But a very competitive race. Uh, My selection is Barnaby from the Tom Amos barn. Uh, He ran the other day at Churchill and Maiden Claiming 30. The the purse on that is bigger than 35000 So you have to assume the competition at a Maiden Claiming 30 with a huge purse at Churchill is about the same is fairgrounds this is a tapature cold who cost twenty four thousand dollars i'm watching his race there it was a really encouraging debut he broke a little bit slow um swooped up a horse up from the tony granite's barn just ran away with the race he got in a pretty live battle gaining uh, for second all the way really impressed me um this is a half to big bad diva won six races i think it's just a competitive horse in the right spot here all right, so are you encouraged by the third-place finish, albeit, uh, you know, a long way back last time out for Barnaby? Or do you, I mean, is, is that a big race, or are you thinking that's good but probably better as expected with the Lasix added? Yeah, I mean, that, the Lasix, and also, you know, he, you know, he was in, the, in a battle for the race within the race. I mean, the, the winner of the race just ran off with it. Um, he overcame a little bit of a trouble, a difficult trip, and really impressed me turning for home. He showed how competitive he is, and, uh, you know, like most first-time starters, he probably uh, needed the race, and uh, looks like a, kind of a logical step to a better performance for me, and I think he's in against the right group, which is key. I mean, he's got to beat Runaway Joke in here, who's a nice horse, but looks like the kind of horse, uh, like we saw in the last race, a horse that will continue to run and pick up valuable placings as a maiden. I think it's just a, a kind of an open opportunity here for Barnaby to win a maiden race. Bob, I know you're somebody that does not generally, you know, lean on favorites. Uh, you're, you're looking for prices that you like, things like that. So when you get a horse like number four, Barnaby, who's your first bet of the day and was four to one on the morning line, but he's bet down. He's actually one of three horses vying for favoritism now at five to two as there's late money coming in on the Chris Hartman first time starter from the rail uh, Den's good grace is five to two good enough for you. Borderline. I mean, I was, you know, he's seven to two in the morning line. I was kind of hoping for a better price than five to two. I'll take that, but I certainly wouldn't want two to one now. It is of concern that the Hartman runner uh, is taking money 
Um, two to one, that's a betting stable, a stable that wins a lot of races, a stable that wins races all over the place, um, you know, capable. Um, certainly with, with uh, firsters, the one hole concerned me with the Harmon horse, but looking at him on the track, he's a very, very good-looking, uh, very forward-looking uh, horse. Um, so that worries me. That might scare me off. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Runaway Joke's also taking a lot of money. I think that the uh, my selection, Barnaby's going to drift. I'd like to get three to one, and I think I'll get it. All right. Well, the horses are uh, ambling toward the starting gate now with uh, no time till post for race number six on the Thursday card at Fairgrounds. You know, they did something weird at Fairgrounds. There was like a, uh, a glitch in the video system. It was fast and firm right from when the changes came out this morning, and it didn't look like any rain in the forecast. I turned the, the signal on again about, oh, about an hour ago, and it said fast and off, and I was scrambling to figure out off. What happened? And I couldn't find any, I couldn't find any changes in the in the. Uh, you know, on Equibase that were different. I couldn't find any uh, notes from, like, Marcus Hurst, who covers the races, and I couldn't figure out what was going on, and then it got switched back to fast and firm. So somebody hit a button they shouldn't have. In the That's TV an Equibase error. I was a chart caller for many, many years. It's an inadvertent mistake. Uh, I'm a, it's the kind of thing that we get big-time scoldings for. <laughs> I mean, I've been in situations where the worst thing you can do is scratch the wrong horse. That's a crisis, and um, then you got to put the horse back in the system. And even if that goes on for three or four minutes, you're in deep water. So I imagine that somebody clicked the wrong um, button when putting changes in. Yeah, so I went from writing fast, F and F, to fast and off, to back to fast and firm. And it really affected the seventh race, which went from being about a mile on the turf to what I thought was off the turf a mile in 70 and is actually about a mile on the turf. Uh, Very so much it, needs to be a turf race. I, I mean, it's, I, hope <laughs> for, I hope for the sake of the folks uh, who were uh, involved with uh, hitting those buttons that I was the only one who saw that. Probably not. Me too. Uh, Me too for that guy's sake or gal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, last few runners going in, just waiting on the nine criminal intent. CJ McMahon to the outside gate. John Dooley on the call. Race six at fairgrounds. All in line. They're off. Den's good grace was slow to go. Fast start for long odds. Blame Dennis. Blame Dennis rocketed away. Right there is Crinnell Intent with an early bid and runaway joke in the gold and black diamonds. Third up close as they sprint to the half-mile pole. Philanthropers is running in fourth. Den's good grace with the rail of the purple cap and sleeves with flying frisbee in tight quarters between horses. Barnaby and on the outside is King's Coat and the newcomer Sharma D trails the maiden juvenile sprint. The quarter 22.26 seconds. They round the far turn with just over three furlongs to go. It's Crinnell Intent who's taking a short lead. Philanthropy with the rail. Right there is Runaway Joke and Barnaby is in the forepath. It's Criminal Intent who leads coming toward the quarter pole. Den's Good Grace with on the outside King's Coat dropping back Blame Dennis toward the inside Charma D and Wide Flying Frisbee is last. Heads are turned for home half mile. 46.47 seconds. Here comes Barnaby. Barnaby charging hard. Runaway Joke between horses. Criminal Intent with the rail. Philanthropers has dropped back sharply. One for long to go. It's Criminal Intent at 18 to 1. Criminal Intent and CJ McMahon Man, criminal intent with on the outside Barnaby runaway joke drifting off his line criminal intent and criminal intent yes by three quarters length to Barnaby runaway joke third then Den's good grace and next was Kingcoat 
Unofficially 9-4-6-1 in the sixth race at Fairgrounds. Criminal intent making the second start of his career. He tried uh, five furlongs on the synthetic main track at Woodbine in his debut. Ran okay. Kind of a midfield fifth. Beaten three and a half lengths. Conventional dirt today and grinds away at the inside. Looked like there was every chance for several horses to go by, but he was a tough customer today. And Bob, your your best bet of the day ended up getting bet down to two to one. He ended up the favorite in the race, and he was second best. Yeah, he ran a great race. I mean, he had a wide trip. He had a range up on the turn four wide. Uh, just really sort of interesting. Uh, criminal intent, five to one in the morning line. Steve Flint who's about as Cajun as it gets. Obviously, you know, cut his teeth in uh, Louisville working for his uh, father, Bernie, before he went on his own. Um, He plies his trade mostly in Canada now um, during the uh, spring and summer months. Uh, This one comes in from Woodbine in Ontario, bred, And, uh, I mean, tip of the cap to the morning line odds maker. He ran a race uh, like a horse that uh, demanded more interest than he got. And uh, showed his toughness, and uh, I'm sure the uh, folks at Woodbine, if they're paying attention, feel very good about that result. All right. Uh, There is an inquiry and an objection in the race. They are not flashing any numbers yet. So maybe we'll uh, stick around just for a minute. Now they're, they're showing it involves the unofficial winner, number nine, criminal intent, and the unofficial third place finisher, number six, runaway joke. So uh, they were together a lot of the way around. So we'll see where the replays are and see if there's any, uh, any validity to this. But uh, your first bet of the day with some uh, fake life, as my friends and I say. <laughs> As uh, you never know, they could. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it look. You know, because I was looking down the stretch, and I don't. I didn't really see anything there. But you know, maybe it wasn't something that happened in the stretch, or maybe uh, the jock's whip hit the other horse. We'll have to look. And there, there looks like they're showing down the back stretch run, and you can see C.J. McMahon on the unofficial winner number nine, criminal intent. Uh, is going for the lead and trying to get over from the outside gate. And he obviously hears rustling and yelling behind him because he looks over Bob twice before they get to the turn at some crowding behind him that included the third-place finisher runaway joke. I, I don't know what the call is here, but I think there's at least a chance this horse gets DQ'd. Yeah, we hope for the best. Uh, one significant point I want to make is the one horse who was live on the board uh, the first time starting son of Good Samaritan, trained by Chris Hartman, a horse called Den's Good Grace. Uh, one of the reasons why I hate to bet firsters from the inside post is the exact read. This horse got a terrible start. You just have to put a line through his race. He broke four lengths behind the field. Got going a little bit, um, but uh, difficult to take inside horses. First time starting two-year-olds or three-year-olds or four-year-olds, for that matter, from the inside. Yeah, for some reason, Bob Baffert's horses never have issues. Well, they all work very fast from the gate. Yeah, as first-time starters. But everyone – and Wesley Wards, I'm not really too worried about his Mm -mm. either. But it seems like everyone else, the rail is not where you want to be. All right, uh, before we go – and they're looking at this, and it looks like they're going to be looking at this for a few minutes. Before we go to the break, Bob, as we started the show, we heard the stretch run from Pete Aiello of a co-featured event at Gulfstream Park last Saturday. The pulpit stakes for two-year-olds – at seven and a half furlongs on the turf and noted was coming off uh, a very poor performance where he was overmatched in the Breeders' Cup in his previous start, switching back to the pulpit at seven and a half on the turf against 
a significantly softer competition, and he made an eye-catching run around the turn and down the lane to get up and win by a neck. Yeah, you know what? He's a really professional, thoroughly likable two-year-old. He ran six times. He won the sapling on dirt, and he won the pulpit on turf. Um, The only race uh, that that you have to excuse him for is a trip out west running against the best two-year-olds in America. Um, He obviously, uh, that experience didn't wear him down in any way, shape, or form. He didn't do much running to his benefit, but he was back to his best. And just another running advertisement for an excellent sire, uh, um, Cairo Prince. And uh, really, really a tough horse, determined, and definitely a horse, if he improves a little bit, um, he could definitely climb the uh, class ladder because he definitely understands the game he's just a professional racehorse all right we're going to take a break when we come back we'll get you paid for the finale at aqueduct they are still looking at the run down the backstretch in race six at fairgrounds hopefully we'll have a decision there we're only about 16 minutes away from post time of the opener up at woodbine this is the first bet racing show on hrrn what is dedication the thing that drives me every day as a dad is Dariana. We call him uh, Day Day for short. Every day he's hungry for something, whether it's attention, affection, knowledge. And there's this huge responsibility in making sure that when he's no longer under my wing, that he's a good person. I think the advice I would give is you don't need to know all the answers. The craziest thing was believing that your dad knew everything. So as a dad, you felt like you had to know everything. You had to get everything right. It's okay to make mistakes. As long as it's coming from love, then, you know, it kind of starts to work itself out. I want him to be able to sit back one day and go, we worked together, we did a good job. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Free healthcare, hundreds to more than $1,000 per month in disability compensation and tens of thousands for college tuition. These are just some of the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs benefits that may be available to veterans. VA is focused on customer service like never before. Choose VA and see why veterans' trust in VA reached an all-time high. Claim the benefits you've earned at choose.va.gov. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? Stop. That dog does not want to be petted. Just a little heads up before something bad happens. Move your coffee cup away from your computer. Oh, no, 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 no. So you can have more control. Stop. You're texting your boss by mistake. Uh-oh. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes like managing your weight, getting active, stopping smoking, and eating healthier, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. It's easy to learn your risk. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Warning, the cap is loose on that catch-up. Oh. Don't wait. You have the power to change the outcome. Visit doihaveprediabetes.org today. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 
HRRN is live online. Go to our website at horseracingradio.net to stream all of our broadcasts live or listen to the show archives anytime. Read our blogs, get the latest news, and see our entire broadcast schedule. It's all there at horseracingradio.net. And follow us on Twitter at HRRN and like our page on Facebook. Search Apple Podcasts for HRRN and download our latest shows. HRRN is home to racing's biggest events, and our home on the web is at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to The First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. And there's Tejano Twist now. He's passing runners fast. He's trying to get outside, but Tejano Twist is on the move in the top of the lane. Sir Wellington in the white blaze. He's got a narrow lane. Rivet struggling inside of him. And Tejano Twist and Chris Landeros roaring from the back of the field, taking the lead and drawing clear for an emphatic win in the ring. The bell stakes. Tejano Twist, he's back at Oaklawn and he's made a statement today. Second Necker Island. So that right there is an exact for Chris Hardman. Osborne involved in the minor award photo for third. Welcome back. First Fed Racing Show here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. I'm Bobby Newman along with Bob Mistanovich. That was the stretch call from Oaklawn Park this past Saturday. One of their Saturday features, the Ring the Bell by the old pro Tejano Twist, who uh, ran off and hid, won by some five lengths or so at odds of six to five, and uh, he's always liked Oaklawn, and he looks like he's back in top form right now. All right, um, first off, let's get the prices in from Aqueduct. We do have a resolution at Fairgrounds, we can tell you that, but we're going to get the Aqueduct prices in first. Eighth and final on the card at Aqueduct went to horse that, well, until today started to look like a professional maiden. Number three, Refua. 0 for 19 coming into the race with 11 second place finishes to his credit. He gets the lion's share of the money today. Four-year-old chestnut gelding by Daredevil out of the tail of the Catmare Smitten Cat. Owned by Paradise Farms Corp and Peter Walder, who's also the trainer, Trevor McCarthy, the rider. Yes, the kind of horse that you don't mind owning. It's a lot of prize money to finish second and breaks through today. Wins about Forty grand here in this. Uh, let's see, yeah, a little over forty thousand dollars. Ray Fua for uh, Peter Walder, uh, Florida trainer. Uh, he knows uh, where to run in New York, Brad. And that's at Aqueduct. Refua paid ten sixty to win, three eighty to place, three twenty to show. Another professional maiden waiting for his day is the horse that ran second, Clever Forever. He's the two. He paid two eighty to place, two sixty to show. Twirling Vine, encouraging effort, uh, setting the pace from the rail, paid five ten to show. The one dollar exact a three two twelve dollars even. The fifty cent try three two five forty four even, and the ten cent super three two five four twenty four dollars and seventy two cents. Over at Fairgrounds, there was an inquiry and an objection into the running of the sixth race. It involved the unofficial winner, number nine, Criminal Intent. Possible interference down the backstretch to the third-place finisher, Runaway Joke. After about five or six minutes of deliberation, stewards did make a change. They disqualified number nine, Criminal Intent, from first, placed him third. The new order of finish, now four, six, nine, one. Bob's first bet of the day, number four, Barnaby. Getting the job done. Two-year-old Bay Colt by Tapature out of the Giants Causeway Mare, Giants Diva. Owned by Royce Mansour and trained by Tom Amos with Edgar Morales riding. Yeah, tough break. Tough break, I thought, for the... Yeah, uh, you, sound, you sound all broken up about it. <laughs> well, 
Um, needless to say, uh, really, uh, really ne- feel bad for those. Guys. This would never happen to me if I bet real money, Bobby. Uh, Barnaby, the four horse paid six to win, three twenty to place, two sixty to show. Uh, Runaway joke, uh, another horse that's starting to look like uh, it's going to take a while. I mean, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good horse, you know, and he ran a good race today, a little bit of trouble. Um, he'll get there one day, but in the meantime, he's uh, picked up $7,000 uh, today, so uh, the owners aren't complaining. Runaway joke paid 280 to place, 260 to show. Criminal intent across the line in first, taken down, placed third, 640 to show. A real gut punch if you took him at 18 to 1. Uh, $1 exact of 4.6 paid 10.40. The 50 cent try 4.69, $50.85. And the 10 cent super 4.69 and won $38.48. Folks, did you know Verizon is now offering customers a free iPhone 13 or up to $800 to put towards a new 5G phone? This offer is available for all customers, both new and current with select trade-in and select 5G Unlimited plans. Verizon's best 5G Unlimited plans offer up to $90 per month of value, the most included value in the industry, and include incredible savings in the most popular entertainment like Disney+, Hulu, ESPN+, Apple Music, and more. So turn in your old 4G device, walk away with a brand-new 5G device at your local Verizon store today. All right, horses are coming onto the track for the opener at Woodbine. We'll get there in a moment, Bob. By the way, 40 degrees right now in suburban Toronto, clear skies. and uh, they uh, No turf racing is scheduled, so they're on the synthetic main track for all eight of their races this afternoon. Uh, want to remind everybody, we do have our regular schedule next week leading up to Christmas Day. Christmas Day, of course, is on a Monday this year. Uh, so we will have our regular schedule on uh, Thursday and Friday, the 21st and 22nd. But we are going to have something a little bit special next Thursday and Friday, and it involves our favorite Breeders' Cup races. Uh, I've I've come up with my favorite seven Breeders' Cup races for the original seven races that there were. The the Classic, the Distaff, the Mile, the Turf, the Sprint, the Juvenile, and the Juvenile Phillies. Uh, we certainly could, you know, could go over the other ones as well, but I just, I, for time purposes, I tried to come up with my favorite race from each of those seven categories, and Bob has come up with his top three or four, maybe five, favorite Breeders' Cup races all time, and it could be from any races. And we are going to play those races for you in their entirety Thursday and Friday and tell you why they're our favorites. And, and Bob, when I, when I suggested this, uh, I didn't want it to be something that was something that we were just so biased on. Like I made a huge score in the 1998, whatever. So that's going to be my favorite one. That could be the reason. Um, but but this is for several reasons that we've come up with these. And you have a great list, which differs from my list, which makes it even better. You know, it could be, you know, just horses that had a big big impact. Uh, on you, maybe big scores that you had, maybe just fantastic finishes, maybe great race calls. Could be any reason that you came up with these. I'm really looking forward to these segments next Thursday and Friday. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think we could fill far more than two hours. I mean, if we go all the way back to the start. I mean, my first Breeders' Cup Live would have been 1990 um, in New York. And uh, the memories from that 
day. It was an amazing day of racing. Um, they just, I mean, and from from that point, I think I've been to about had the fortune of being to at least seventy five percent plus of the Breeders' Cups. Um, any any time I have an opportunity, of course, it's an, inc- an incredible um, display, and it's really um, wonderful these days how we get uh, top notch um, international participation. Of course, not only from um, England and Ireland and, and France, but now from uh, Japan quite a bit. So it's it's just uh, a great event, and uh, let's celebrate uh, some of the, the the best moments now for forty years. You know, speaking of that, so I went to the inaugural Breeders' Cup at Hollywood Park in 1984, which was only about 25 minutes from where I lived. Uh, I also went to that Breeders' Cup in 90 at Belmont Park. My college roommate is a guy named Chuck Simon, who was a trainer for many, many years, trained a lot of horses for Ken and Sarah Ramsey, and I think he has a podcast right now. Nice guy, good guy, and uh, flew out, met him in New York for the 1990 Breeders' Cup. Now, you remember this, Bob. First of all, it wasn't warm that day, and especially for somebody like me from the West Coast, it just felt cold, probably way colder than it really was. Uh, there was a lot of, there were a lot of bad things that happened on the racetrack that day, especially uh, in the distaff and uh, early on the turn in the Breeders' Cup sprint, but we did see some great performances. I can tell you this. Uh, things I remember from that Breeders' Cup were, one, uh, getting to New York on Friday, getting off the plane, wearing a T-shirt and shorts, which was a gigantic error, and <laughs> waiting for the shuttle to my garbage can of a hotel I was staying in, and I was 20 feet from Joan Rivers who, with her little dog wearing a mink coat, and she was looking at me as if she was saying, what a jackass you are, uh, which, <laughs> which I was. And she did not go to the same crappy motel that I went to, by the way. Um, we end up going to the Meadowlands Friday night back when they, you know, they ran a, they had thoroughbred meat at that time. Absolutely. I might have um, been there. Yeah, we, we went that time. Uh, Bob Levy, who owned many, many horses and uh, loved every horse that he had, told us he had a firster that couldn't lose. We got there just after the race went off. The horse went off four to five and got beat a nose. So we saved money with that, but we lost that. You're rich. Race. You're already rich. Yeah, lost the next day at Belmont. And then for the sickness trifecta, drove to Yonkers the yes. night of the Breeders' Cup. To lose there, but I will say this: I got to meet the announcer at Yonkers, a guy named Bob Meyer. He was there for many, many years. And, know his voice. And Chuck brings me into the press box to meet him, and Bob is on the phone, and he says, "Hold on, guys," and I hear him say, uh, "What do you got on Edmonton and so and so?" And the guy says, "He says, okay, five dimes on Edmonton," and Goodness he hung me. up the phone. I said, "I immediately love this guy." That guy just, guy. Fi- I assume, bet 5000 on a hockey game. So, and a uh, Wheeler's hockey game. Yeah, I, well, I mean, <laughs> that, you know, back in around 1990. Well, actually, I, was, that, was that before they tra- – that was right around the end of Gretzky. I think yeah. before, they, before Gretzky could be went the to Messier LA. era for sure. Yeah, they had Messier and Yari Curry and Wayne Gretzky and Marty McSorley and all that stuff. Um, but anyway, that was my memories of the 1990 Breeders' Cup. Bad game. Mine are quite a bit different. I was, a lot of stories. I was a bus driver in New York at the time, and I was living in a basement apartment in, in Hoboken, and I went by myself. So uh, I'm happy I didn't. I mean, I, I wish I would have run into fellow sickos because I would have gladly made the trip to uh, both uh, Meadowlands and Yonkers. With, we uh, would have taken you. And by the way, the best part of that trip, 
I'm going to save for after this race at Woodbine. I've mentioned it before, but I'm going to mention it again after this race. But I want to get to this race first, because why wouldn't we want to get to this race first? Opener on the Thursday card at Woodbine. Five and a half furlongs on the synthetic main track. A conditioned $10,000 claiming event for fillies and mares that are non-winners of three races lifetime. Field of seven going to post in this race, Bob. First bet, AI says number three, Big Ginger. 23% chance of winning. Six to one on the morning line. Actually bet down to five to two right now, but the favorite is on the outside. Number seven, Very Savvy at two to one. Yeah, you know, Very Savvy's um, an interesting horse in here. Hadn't won a race. It's a mare that hasn't won a race since 2021 yet in her last race. She earned the rare uh, chart comment, Tenacious Between. So she finished with a lot of interest um, and would appear to be quite live in this spot. I'm quite surprised to see the drift in price on the two Muskoka Summer, uh, ridden by uh, the excellent apprentice Sof- uh, Sophia uh, Vives for uh, for Carlos Grant. When they hook up, they're four for nine. Um the horse has been kept very busy. Perhaps her form is tailing off. Pretty poor effort last time. Um, I like Big Ginger in here, but she's overbet from my perspective. She's t- she's the only one that's taking a significant drop. She takes a proper class plunge from twenty five thousand down to ten. Uh, she's only two for twenty eight lifetime. Um, Emma Jane, when she rides for uh, rides for uh, Paul Buda Judge. Um, is uh, four for five in the money for no wins, but perhaps at five to two, uh, Big Ginger will make amends today. Okay, and actually getting late money from that, two to one right now as uh, she loads into the starting gate. Five-year-old on her toes as she uh, moves into stall number three. Moon Bright with Kaz Kimura aboard going outside of her. Just uh, This is, I believe, closing weekend up at Woodbine, so it this is. will be the last time we see a lot of these runners for a long, long time. Many of them just kind of, well, they don't hibernate for the winter, but they're, uh, they're put away until the Woodbine meet starts <laughs> again in 2024. Here's Robert Geller on the call. That was a great start. Very savvy. One of the best out. Going through Big Ginger and showing up is Taylor Moon. Between them goes Moonbright. And in the top flight in the early stages, Swirling Dance at the inside and Perfect Provision joins the fray. Back to second last. Very savvy and last. Muskoka Summer. Running out in front, Big Ginger from Swirling Dancer on the inside. Length to Perfect Provision. Moonbright is fourth. Length and a half, Taylor Moon. Muskoka Summer second last. And last, Very Savvy. Five and a half covers them. They start to go faster up front and Big Ginger speeding clear. Swirling Dancer still about a half behind. A length and a half away in third placing Perfect Provision. Shading Moonbright. Starting to wind up in the back. Very Savvy around the outside of Taylor Moon and the Orange Silks is coming now. And last, Muskoka Summer. They turn Big Ginger in front. Swirling Dancer second. Right down the outside. Very Savvy's motoring home and Muskoka Summer lets loose from the back. And now Taylor Moon coming through in the center as well. Big Ginger under attack from Taylor Moon and Muskoka Summer and Very Savvy and on the inside Swirling Dancer Muskoka Summer, Swirling Dancer come a Big Ginger and as they go right down to the wire, out wide Muskoka Summer's in the photo narrowly with Swirling Dancer the inside, then Big Ginger Very Savvy and it's a photo for the win with Taylor Moon back on the inside, 1-6 is the time 1-6 flat Late money came in on number two, Muskoka Summer, who was 7-2 on the morning line, ends up the favorite at 2-1 and is in the photo for the win with number one, Swirling Dancer. Very tight there between numbers two and one with number three, Big Ginger, finishing third. Yeah, it looked like Muskoka Summer 
um, got there, and uh, boy, that was a really nice effort um, by her. Um, responded really. I mean, I'm, I've got a buddy in California that um, loves Sophia Vive. She goes back and forth usually from Woodbine to Parks, and uh, she's a really a uh, live bug rider. She's had an outstanding season. And uh, sh- that was a peach of a ride that she put on Muskoka Summer there, if she got up. Regardless, I mean, it was a really good ride. Um, tenacious, the, the tenacity was shown by Swirling Dancer under Amanda Vandermeesh uh, uh, from the inside, really fought back uh, gamely to, to uh, reassert and take back over from Big Ginger. Um, so, yeah, no, exciting finish in a uh, fairly low-grade race at Woodbine. All right, photo finish still as they're examining the photo. Pretty tight there between numbers one and two. The two looked like she was in front, but the one swirling dancer got a great bob right at the line. And I'm not sure if it was good enough to get her up for the win or maybe up for a dead heat, but it is very close between the one and the two. Folks, Gulfstream Park has four more loaded days of racing this weekend, highlighted by the $100,000 H. Allen Jerkins Handicap. On Saturday, December 16th, add a little holiday magic to the meet. First Bet is giving you 10 times the first rewards points on every dollar you bet on Gulfstream Park all December long. Uh, Photo sign is down. In fact, it was number two, Muskoka Summer, the unofficial winner of the opener at Woodbine. Two, one, three, seven, the top four finishers there. All right, Uh, we've got four minutes to post at Fairgrounds, but I want to get this story real quick, Bob. Uh, So... The night before the 1990 Breeders' Cup, I mentioned that Chuck Simon and I went to Meadowlands for thoroughbred racing a night. And this is before everyone has full card simulcasting from everywhere. At that time, all you could bet at the Meadowlands that night was live thoroughbred racing or the harness racing from downstate at Garden State Park and vice versa. When they were running the thoroughbreds at Garden State, they would run the the harness at Meadowlands or something like that. So that was it. And they had a special section to bet it. It wasn't like you could bet it at every window and watch it everywhere. So we're in, for some reason, in the harness section, and we're just standing... uh, you know, next to a wall where there's like a little berm and you can put your, whether you're eating something or handicapping your racing forms, whatever it is there, and they're that. And we're just standing there. So it's Chuck, and then I'm to his left, and there's a garbage can next to me. And we're studying the next race or whatever (laughs) we're doing. And some guy just rifles his arm into the garbage can and starts like fishing around for something, violently going through there. And I'm thinking, you know, either a voucher or he's pulling out a program or something, and he pulls out a handful of fries and eats them. And I turned to Chuck and I said, this is the coolest racetrack I've ever been to in my life. (laughs) That guy does not give a you-know-what. We're standing right here. Doesn't bother that guy even a little bit, and God forbid he spends gambling money on food. There's plenty of good food right there in the garbage <laughs> can. And that's what he was going for. And that's my, that was actually the one and only time I've been to the Meadowlands. I've got a buddy in Revere, Massachusetts that you need to meet immediately. A guy named Mark Estrich. One of those Maybe guys I that don't need it. to meet him. Maybe this, this <laughs> might, I mean, that was a long time ago. I, I mean, uh, I might not react no, quite been as standing uh, next acceptingly of this these days. Well, one of the stories he tells uh, was the great, uh, inc- incredible performance by Broad Brush that he saw at the Meadowlands many, many years ago. But uh, 
definitely um, strange eating habits. Let's put it that way. But enough about that. This is a very interesting race at the fairgrounds. Right. So this race at the at the fairgrounds is about a mile on the turf. Uh, it's a conditioned fifteen thousand dollar claiming event. Um, these are three year olds and up that are non winners of four races lifetime or have not won two races over a mile on the turf since June 14th of 2022. What a goofball condition this is. Scratch numbers two and six out of this race. Uh, First bet AI says you're supposed to look at both numbers five and nine. They equally have a 17% chance of winning. Neither one of them is favored right now, Bob. Number three, telephone talker. Seems like he's been around forever is the two to one choice. Yeah, horse prefers the turf, ran two very good um, races at Colonial on the turf, including a, a nice win on August 18th. Actually, it's open $16,000 claimers. Cleverly claimed last time at Keeneland for 16 in a dirt race in which he showed absolutely no interest. Goes to Armando Hernandez, but when you see a complicated condition like this, you try to figure out who the race is written for. And there's a bunch of horses with three wins in here. That fits the condition. This is a non-winners of four lifetime. The nine-horse freedom factor is a 13-time winner. Okay, and this is pretty controversial, right? So he's got the two wins. He won September 11th at Louisiana Downs, mile and 16. So that's one of his wins over a mile. And then he shows a win at seven and a half, June 24th. That's short of a mile, so that. That does not disqualify him from the condition. Then on March 3rd of 2023, he wins um, by two and a half, right? And uh, so he so he won. At a, and is it that's also okay? That doesn't disqualify him because that's also a mile. If you go back to June 18th at Evangeline of 2022. He wanted a race that's officially about one mile. So this is the thing that drives you crazy is about one. If about one mile is over a mile here, does that disqualify him from the condition? Right. And we're just going with the theory that these about distances at fairgrounds mean they're not quite that distance. But this is this is a condition eligibility situation where if it's if about one mile is more than a mile and he shouldn't be allowed to run here. I mean, right. this is a horse we're, that ran on the Colonel Bradley. About, about a mile is less than a mile. So he does qualify because of that goofiness. Right. And for some reason, he's not live on the board. He's 9-2, to two and, and the horse that was claimed to Keeneland last time, Telephone Talker, who I like in here, um, but not at that price. I'll go ahead and take Freedom Factor. What is he, 9-2, to 5-1? Yeah, and they're uh, almost all loaded in the gate. We've got the 5 in just waiting on the outside, too, Mountain Pine. Jose Raquelme aboard Mountain Pine, just balking a little bit at the start. He's uh, run plenty of times, 20 times, but uh, going for uh, Rene Burrell uh, for the first time, Nevada Litvin, who yep. uh, is not training horses right now, I believe, uh, or at least not as many, if, if, if any at all, not training this one anymore. Goes in, freedom factor to the outside. John Dooley call, race seven, fairgrounds. Verwolf. Good start for Snivelling, along with Telephone Tonker, 
Soul Coaxing has the red blinkers. Here comes Mountain Pine and Freedom Factor showing that speed too. It's Mountain Pine who just leads out for Jose Rocalme. Long odds front runner, Mountain Pine, Freedom Factor close up that 13-time winner and Soul Coaxing gets position running in third in the early stages. Telephone talker with... Haley Saylor in the Navy cap. We draw back then to Mafael, who's running second to last ball, settled by Raylo Gutierrez into the about one-mile run and into the hands of Aubrey Green. Sniveling has dropped back to seventh and last the quarter. 25.09 seconds, making their way toward the half-mile pole. Freedom Factor now for Emmanuel Nieves. Freedom Factor's taking a short lead from Mountain Pine with the rail. Soul coaxing gallops along in third. Three-quarters length to Telephone Talker, making progress now for Olaf Hernandez and drawing in. With Haley Sailor, six lengths off this leader as they enter the far turn. There comes Mafael, has the gold dots on black sleeves, and Sniveling remains last. Half mile in 49.88 seconds on the far side of the fairgrounds course. Nearing the quarter pole, Freedom Factor, Soul Coaxing looms. Telephone Talker, Mountain Pine, has dropped back sharply. Haley Sailor now gains fourth. Mafael on the far outside. Sniveling is last. They straighten past the quarter pole. Soul Coaxing runs now at Freedom Factor as they battle after three quarters in 1 minute 15.26 seconds with Marcelino Pedroza Jr. Soul Coaxing has the advantage now and is edging away from Freedom Factor. Haley Sailor staying on with a charge. Then to the inside is Telephone Tucker who's dropped back sharply. They're close to home at Soul Coaxing. Soul Coaxing coasting away from Freedom Factor to win by four. Haley Sailor third and Sniveling finished fourth. Unofficially, 7-9-5-1 in the seventh race at Fairgrounds. Runaway win for Soul Coaxing, getting the fifth career win from 27 career starts. Been a while since this son of Caraconti has seen the turf, uh, and it's the first time he's won on it. That's really significant to me. First time he's won on turf, a horse that is a good horse. I mean, he's, you know, he's never run for a $15,000 tag um, before. That's certainly uh, the, the weaker company helped him out here. He was 0 for 8 on the grass and has run some mighty races on the, uh, on the dirt. Um, ran okay for 30,000 in the mud. The last time um, he has a win in the mud, uh, you know, he he ran a very very good race, uh, right level, and uh, breaks through on the grass in his 27th lifetime start. So uh, good for him and good for his owner trainer Hugh Robertson, who of course was an outstanding uh, trainer for a long time in Chicago land. And his his son Mac uh, is a, a force at both Canterbury and at Oaklawn wherever he goes. But uh, uh, dad gets a win here, a big one. Hugh Robertson soul coaxing. All right, we'll get those prices in just a little bit. Uh, as we came out of our last break, we heard the stretch run of the Ring the Bell Stakes, one of two stakes on uh, the opening Saturday card at Oaklawn. Tejano Twist, who we know very well. We know that he loves it there at Oaklawn, even with the uh, slight difference in the makeup of the track surface at Oaklawn this year. Didn't look like it bothered him in the least. Uh, he was just way too good for that field and my guess is bob that uh you know he's got all of these whether it's the count fleet or the whitmore or the king cotton or whatever these stakes are that are throughout the oaklawn meet uh he's pointing to all of them unquestionably uh one two for the barn chris hartman off to a good start um Teano twist had a brutal trip and he came from way back he usually isn't that far back at all got a uh, bad start 
and uh, just showed how completely outclassed the field and is very capable of taking the uh, steps up in class at uh, Oklahoma, like you suggested. Uh, one of those just hard-knocking sprinters that loves Churchill and loves Oakland and, and uh, must be a joy for uh, Chris to train him and uh, definitely a mighty effort from him. He beat some good horses, and, and he gave him a head start and ran past him. Just, great just pick by of, you as well. That was your that was your best bet of the week on the M Wager show. That was a great pick. You said he, he just looked a lot better than the other horses on paper, and boy, did he show it. Yeah, you know what? It's a lazy way of looking at it, but it was just one of those things. I said, geez, I mean, it looks like every race he runs would beat this field. I mean, uh, it, it's and and usually those are the ones that are two or three to five, not six to five. Uh, but it turns out he was six to five. And to be honest, the pace was faster early in this race than I expected it. That was the one thing I was really, if there was something I was concerned about, was that he was going to be closing into what didn't look like it was going to be a super fast pace for a, a sprint. And it was plenty honest, 22 flat, 45 and three. That's good enough for him to close. Uh, off the top of your head, Bob, I'm trying to think of it myself. So looking at the, assuming that, the plan is for Tejano Twist to stay at Oaklawn and run in these big sprints the rest of the, the rest of the meet, whether it's the Whitmore or the Count Fleet or whatever whatever's coming up. Off the top of your head, can you think of other sprinters, other big name sprinters that are still out there, you know, that haven't retired that are clearly better than him? Am I missing somebody? I mean, Elite Powers done, right? Uh, is Gunite retired or is he still running? I think he's supposed to be still running. I'd have to look at the, you know, the workout tab. But, you know, this is sort of that lull in the schedule where the big names you sort of hear if they've been retired, but you really sort of have to have your finger on the pulse. Um, I mean, Teano Twist is, is yet to prove that he's a, a grade one horse, but he's a hickory tough sprinter. And um, judging by that, perhaps this is the year that he uh, goes up to the top level and, and uh, proves his medal, as, as you suggested um, some very, very good sprinters um, from the last few years. Um, this might be a good year to to, to make the jump from uh, a grade two sprinter to a grade one sprinter. All right, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we owe you prices from both Woodbine and Fairgrounds. We've got more live racing to come. Also going to talk more about what we saw last weekend. Lots more on the First Bet Racing Show on HRRN. In honor of all those we've lost to cancer and those still fighting and thriving, like basketball analyst and cancer champion Dick Vitale. I want to beat cancer. I'm going to beat it. That's no doubt in my mind. I'm going to win this battle. Defeating cancer will take all of us. Join our team to help fund game-changing research that saves lives. At the V Foundation, V is for victory over cancer. V is for victory over the odds. V is for victory over health disparities, victory over setbacks, victory over the unknown. V is for victory over giving up. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Donate to the V Foundation to join our team and help save lives. Cancer can take away all my physical abilities. It cannot touch my mind. It cannot touch my heart. And it cannot touch my soul. 100% of donations fund game-changing cancer research. Donate now to the V Foundation at V.org. I'm 54, so basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... <laughs> 
<laughs> hey, listen, it's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you prevent wildfires. Dude, I've got this. I've been camping since I was five years old. But I am a camping influencer. You know what? I'll bet you five bucks. Assistant Smokey, what is the best way to put out a campfire? To put out a campfire, drown with water, stir, drown again. Then make sure the fire is out cold by feeling with the back of your hand. Wait, really? I'll take the five bucks. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Trainer Talk, presented by Fazig Tipton. Please join me in welcoming Hall of Fame trainer Todd Fletcher. Hall of Fame trainer Nick Zito on Trainer Talk. Welcome Hall of Famer Bob Baffert to the program. Hall of Fame trainer Shug McGahee, nice enough to spend some time with us. Hall of Fame trainer Bill Mott here on Trainer Talk. Dual Hall of Fame trainer Mark Cassie. Trainer Talk, the biggest names in horse racing. Wednesdays, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Sirius 162, XM 207, and streaming live at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to The First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Hot Fudge is just ranging up on the outside off of that early tempo as Headland is now kicked for home. It's Headland who's in front. Hot Fudge, here comes the New York bread can't hurry love. Down the center of the racetrack has taken third. It is still Headland finding Hot Fudge in between horses. Can't hurry love continues to roll on the grandstand side, but running out of time. It's Hot Fudge who's now taking the lead. Can't hurry love is drifting out, but has the momentum. Hot Fudge, can't hurry love. Hot Fudge, can't hurry love. Hot Fudge. Hot Fudge wins the Garland of Roses. Can't hurry love with second. Then came Headland. Final running time, 1 minute 10.45 seconds. Welcome back. Top of hour number two on this week's edition of the First Bet Racing Show. Bobby Newman, Bob Nastanovich. Folks, this Thursday and Friday, which I guess is today and tomorrow, First Bet is bringing you two great promotions at Western Canada's premier harness track, Fraser Downs. Bet $50 on Fraser Downs each day. You'll get a $20 bonus plus an additional 10 times first rewards points on every dollar you bet on Fraser this week. These are the last two days on their calendar for 2023, so don't miss out on this limited-time promotion. Bob, at, uh, as we came out of break, we heard the stretch run of the Aqueduct feature last Saturday, a, uh, the Garland of Roses for Phillies and Mares sprinting six furlongs on the main track. Drew seven, two were scratched, including your best bet of the week, Disco Ebo. So, uh, unfortunately, we did not get to see her run. We did get to see Hot Fudge run, and it was uh, a driving finish with several of them looking like they had chances in mid-stretch, but Hot Fudge was the strongest of the quintet, and at odds of 3-1, to one, she got the win. Yeah, no, she looked very eligible on paper, and Linda Rice has now won the race uh, two years in a row, and um, consistent with... Um, 
you know, top sprinters from, from her barn now for a long time, very tough and very consistent. And, uh, it was her turn. And going back to your question before the break about, uh, Tejano twist and where he might uh, fit in the shakeup in the sprint division for male sprinters, uh, in this country going forward into 2024. Um, I see obviously elite passing, nothing from gunite, um, going on, um, no news at all. Um, no recent works. Uh, True Seeker, um, another one. Um, Doctor Shivel, nothing from him. And I think really sort of the one uh, horse that they won't wouldn't cross pass. I wouldn't imagine until the Breeders' Cup. But the Chosen Veron, the outstanding California bred sprinter, ran fifth in the Breeders' Cup sprint this year, and then uh, won the Sprint Stakes at Del Mar on November 18th. Um, I assume with his uh, amazing consistency, I believe he's 14 for 19 now, lifetime, um, he'll stay in training. Um, so, again, looks like a wide-open division. Of course, uh, Goodnight Olive uh, is coming back to race, but uh, she, I imagine, will continue to race against her own sex. No reason for her not to. Yeah, maybe Speedboat Beach for Bob Baffert, another one that uh, that could stay on. But He'll have you know, a the, few. You know, he... He, he's going to stay in California, you would think. Uh, there are enough big sprints out in California, and let's face it, the competition is not quite the same out there as it had been in years past, uh, you know, shorter fields and things like that. Um, you know, shipping across country to run in stakes doesn't make as much sense for the California-based runners as it would be to ship across country and run in overnight races, you know, where the allowance races at places like you know, Kentucky and, and Arkansas and even New York to an extent are all in the six figures. Uh, you know, the stakes are, have, for the most part, stayed the same with the exception of, you know, the, the stakes have gotten bigger as far as those major three-year-old stakes at Oaklawn go. So if Speedboat Beach is, remains in training, I would say that he would very likely uh, try to pick off the ones out in Southern California. Uh, Let's go out to, uh, you know what, we owe some prices for both Woodbine and for Fairgrounds. Opener at Woodbine went to number two, Muskoka Summer, four-year-old chestnut filly by war correspondent out of the Spitestown mare, Ennis Lady, owned by Randy Barat and trained by Carlos Grant with Sofia Vibas. Yeah, this one produced a great finish, um, tough to separate them. Um, Muskoka Summer got the nod from Swirling Dancer, and Big Ginger, who finished third, was about a little more than neck back, not much more in third. So three of them hitting the wire together. Uh, Muskoka Summer, the winner, paid six eighty to win, three thirty to place, two seventy to show. Swirling Dancer, uh, three eighty to place, two eighty to show, and Big Ginger, three ten to show. The one dollar exacta, two and one, nine dollars and fifteen cents. The try two one three for twenty cents eight dollars and sixteen cents. The twenty cent super two one three and seven. Very savvy. The seven uh, disappointing effort by that one. Uh, the uh, twenty cent super paid twenty one seventy five. Over at Fairgrounds, seventh race has gone official. It went to number seven. Soul coaxing five year old bay horse by. Caraconti out of the Ghost Sapper Mare Owl Moon, owned and trained by Hugh Robertson, Marcelino Pedroza Jr., the rider. Yes, Soul Coaxing first turf win in his 27th lifetime start, paid 1080 to win, 560 to place, $4 to show. It appears the race was written for the 13 time winner, Freedom Factor, ran a good race. 
couldn't hang with soul coaxing inside the eighth pole. Uh, the old timer, the eight year old, paid four eighty to play, three dollars to show, and the five Haley Sailor, three dollars to show, one dollar exact to seven nine twenty five seventy. The fifty cent try seven nine five forty two dollars twenty five cents, and the ten cent super seven nine five and one one hundred and six dollars and nineteen cents. Bob, we've got a pretty savvy group of listeners uh, that are dedicated to HRN, and we certainly appreciate that. Uh, but when you say that a race is written for a horse, what exactly do you mean, and why would a race be written for a certain horse? I mean, this horse is is a, a beloved horse, um, and uh, I mean, not third the time. Answer, buddy. Th- not I know, the but answer. he's a thirteen time winner, and it's hard. It's hard to get him in a spot. It's hard to fill a race, and uh, there's a few horses in there that only met a really complex condition because they're basically what you've got is you've got the framework of a race, which is non-winners of four lifetimes. So about four or five horses fit that condition. Then the racing secretary has to go through date because you had five-time winners in there, four-time winners, um, a couple of four-time winners, a five-time winner, a 13-time winner. So you have to build a condition that tries to group these horses equally all under the umbrella of a $15,000 claiming price. And he managed to do so, but the horse that was hard hard to get in the race was the outside horse. So according to the dates and the distances and all of the asterisks in that condition, and there was about four, that was the horse that was included by this by the specifications of that of the, those conditions. All right, and I agree with exactly what you said. And most of the time, that's the reason the racing office is doing what they can to make things better for them. Meaning they're they try to build races that will get the most entries in them. There there are times where you'll have a trainer maybe do a favor for the racing office, and in this case, uh, trainer Joe Foster. Maybe Joe Foster uh, ran a horse a week or two ago, uh, you know, that was kind of hustled, as they say, into a race with the the knowing that the ra- the racing secretary or director of racing or whatever the title of the the lady or gentleman who's in charge of that at fairgrounds is says, you know, you help me out here and I will make a race go for freedom factor. That does happen. on Exactly. Occasion. What you said is 95% of the time. What I said is like the other five. Yeah, no, I mean, basically, um, the, you know what? Let's finish this the thought after the race at Woodbine. I apologize. Okay. We're right up against not, it. Not, They're not at the at gate. All. Six furlongs, maidens in for a $10,000 tag. They're fillies and mares here. Scratch numbers four and 11. Bottom horse, number 12, Daddy's Daisy, two to one favorite. How did you see it, Bob? Yeah, the few regrets in here, the three and Moe, Monet face each other uh, last week. Um, they both finished behind. Roses are free, broke from the rail, and let them all the way. Um, few regrets, significant shocks, which back to Sophia Vive. She's hot. She proved it in the last race. Um, Crystal the Pistols, interesting drops, adds blinks. We saw um, Stephen Chirkop win one last uh, race last week on the show. This is a very well-bred filly. I think the I think few regrets uh, will win, uh, but it'd be interesting to see what the dropper Crystal the Pistol both does on the racetrack and to see if she's claimed because she's a very nicely bred uh, broodmare prospect. First bet AI says very slight advantage. Number six Tippering. 
a uh, daughter of Reload, who is 0 for 25 coming into this race today in 7 to 1 right now. I guess if you're going to bet over 25 shots, uh, 7 to 1 may be the bottom of what you're looking for. I certainly wouldn't want to take much lower than that on, uh, on a filly who's proven that she knows how to lose a whole lot. Uh, but she is the slight choice of the first bet AI, which probably means she has some efforts that certainly would put her right there. Big field in race two at Woodbine. Here's Robert Geller. It's right up. They're set to run. Locked up. Off they run. A very good start. Back to the tail end, Royal Chrome, best into stride. It's near Lithic Nation, headed by Crystal the Pistol to Pring in the center. And driving between runners, Gavel Girl in search of the early lead. And on the inside, sweeping passion is handy. And on the extreme outside, Daddy's Daisy in the main flight. A length and a half away came Moet Monet from Few Regrets, Royal Chrome. And last, she's a Sealy. Racing clear, Crystal the Pistol. And on the inside, Gavel Girl, a length and a half in front. And pushing up on the outside is Daddy's Daisy, trying to keep going, is also near Lithic Nation, the center. Over on the inside, Side sweeping passion, slightly checked there, and coming forward as they go into the turn to Pring from Moet Monet, few regrets, a long gap, Royal Chrome, and she's a Sealy. Going up on the inside to the lead by two lengths now, Crystal the Pistol. Second gavel girl, Daddy's Daisy, third from Neolithic Nation, Moet Monet's running on pretty well, but very wide. Sweeping passions run a pretty good race, but going right away, Crystal the Pistol's three in front. Up the inside, sweeping passion, two lengths away, right down the center of the track is uh, to Pring, and Moet Monet's deep on the course, sweeping Sweeping Passion coming up on the inside is the danger here. And Sweeping Passion goes to the front. And now pouncing is to Pring on the outside. Sweeping Passion and to Pring. And as they go right down to the wire, to Pring has just won it from Sweeping Passion. Back third, few regrets. And then Crystal the Pistol from Moet Monet. 112.90. Ah, the first bet AI was right with what looked like a professional maiden number six to Pring. 0 for 25 coming into this race today and somehow grinds away down the outside and forges to victory, covering the six furlongs in 112 and 4, 6, 1, 3, 8, the unofficial top four, Bob. Yeah, this is the second horse on the show we've seen like this. We had a, a horse with 19 lifetime starts at uh, Aqueduct, 11, 11 seconds. This one had eight seconds and 25 starts. Today was the day. Uh, another... Um, the uh, sire here, Reload, a hard-spun sire, that was the sire of the uh, Steve Flint runner that crossed the line in first and got taken down at Fairgrounds. His uh, stallion I'm unfamiliar with, one to watch. That would be, uh, yeah, that I uh, can't remember the name of that horse right now, the one that, that Barnaby gained the DQ from. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, um, good effort by Moe Monet. She flattened out again, and uh, poor start for a uh, few regrets. Finished strong when she got clear, finished third. But, uh, again... Maiden claiming 10 uh, at, uh, at Woodbine this time of the year is, is, is pretty difficult and uh, looked a wide open race on paper and sort of shook out that way. All right, we'll get those prices in a few minutes. We've got about four or five minutes to post uh, for the upcoming eighth race at Fairground, so enough time for you to get to finish your thought. We were talking about horses with getting races written for them and why the racing offices do this, uh, well, not from time to time, but... Uh, seemingly on a regular basis. Well, conditions have gotten far, far more complex in the last 20 years because there's, I mean, you know, it's an incredible competition and field size is a massive um, part of the deal. I mean, at all the racetracks going right now and everybody's trying to get as much handle as possible. Um, obviously, it's all pretty much conducted 
um, online or on the phone, advanced deposit wagering. And, you know, people don't want to see short fields. So we get these, you know, management putting a lot of pressure on racing offices to build uh, races with seven, eight, nine runners. And uh, you'd think running a race on the turf course at fairgrounds for a tag um, in December, a fresh turf course, plenty of horses on the grounds, the meets in full effect, uh, would be a fairly easy task. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of horses um, that don't fit a lot of conditions in the book, and this is a situation where they have to get real creative to make an eight-horse field. Um, so uh, racing secretary there did a nice job and uh, got a race to go and uh, yeah, included a horse that is, is very difficult to find a race for unless he's willing to run, run for an open tag. And, uh, you know, I imagine an open $16,000 claimer is a pretty tough proposition at fairgrounds. Yeah, you're right. And uh, it's not like they can just stop cold turkey and say, all right, we're changing this. We're just writing open conditions like we used to, you know, 30, 40 years ago. And if you don't like it, tough. They're just, that's not the way it is. They, like you said, they want to get as many horses in the races as, we, as they can. They'll do everything they can to do it and then move forward from there. All right, speaking of move forward, let's go over to the fairgrounds. Maiden special weight event on the main track, race number eight. Six furlongs the distance. These are maiden two-year-olds. We've got a nice field of nine gathering uh, for this race, Bob. First bet AI says number two, B52, who is nine to one right now in the wagering, coming off a fifth-place finish uh, last time out against similar competition in his career debut. Uh, first bet AI obviously thinking that this one has a big chance of winning second time out and will probably have to improve to do it. The wagering board says number four, trust issues is where the betters like it. Trust issues, third place finish in an off-the-turf sprint at Churchill in his lone start and gets Lasix for his move to the fairgrounds. Right, now this is a six furlong two-year-old maiden special weight race with no condition based on the sales price of the horse or anything like that. But there is preference to horses that have started, not started for less than $50,000. So th this is basically the creme de la creme of the uh, two-year-old maidens uh, at uh, fairgrounds. They run for a $52,000 pot. You see a first-time uh, starter from Mike, Mike Stidham's uh, stable, Sabi, S-A-B-I here. Uh, owned by, um, owned and bred by um, Barbaro's owner breeders, the Jacksons, Lale Stables. Horses working right along, one, breaks from the one hole. Um, look, the three horse in here crafted a very expensive son of Vino Rosso out of a Bodemeister mare, a horse called Crafted. Sharp has been very busy in the morning. Bullet works on December 5th and December 9th. On December 9th, blew out 3-35.60 uh, from the gate at Fairgrounds. Seems very well meant under uh, Edgar Morales, um, a rider that we saw in Hare to win earlier on the card for Tom Amos. Uh, look, these do, they, don't, they don't hook up very often. This is Asmussen's, one of his top owners for a long time, Winchell Thoroughbreds. Crafted looks very live. Um, his stablemate, on the other hand, who's a Tappet Colt, out of a Giants Causeway mare, he looks like he might be out there for experience. Um, has a uh, show uh, incredible pedigree. Um, expensive horse, two hundred eighty-five thousand. Longtime Asmussen owner, Mike Rutherford, and here Corey Lannery takes them out. First-time starter, looks like he might need 
more distance than six furlongs to show his absolute best. Uh, Ken McPeak has one in here, Vincita. Um, of the ones with experience, the four-horse trust issues, a two-year-old gelding by Enticed out of an Indian Charlie Mayer. He ran a great race first out, uh, finished third behind Barahe and Silent Heart, who came back and won a five-furlong turf a maiden race at Gulfstream not too long ago. Adds Lasix, again, overcame a really bad start from the inside, circled up and, and uh, finished a strong third. I think he'll step forward and uh, beat these well-meant horses here. He showed a lot in that, in that first start. Looks good as he's moving into gate number four right now. They are double loading for the eighth race at Fairgrounds. Uh, number eight, cooking with Catman for trainer Wayne Catalano going into uh, that uh, almost outside post. And a gray first-time starter for Steve Asmus and Snow King will be the last one to load in. Here is the eighth race from the Fairgrounds. They're in the gate. Robin sprinting, star studded affair, rockets away. There goes the Buckeye bred newcomer, Crafted, showing good speed to its Crafted, who's come away in front here for Edgar Morales. Crafted dashed away from sharp starting. Star studded affair by three and a half, cooking with Catman toward the inside trust issues. And Rock and Roll Bolt makes a split of that pair, going past the half mile. B52 is toward the inside, seven from the leader. It's crafted as they head toward the far turn. Then a break to Sabi with Vincita and wide Snow King trails. The opening quarter, 21.78 seconds. Crafted to track down. The son of Vino Rosso with inside three furlongs to go. It's crafted who's cutting out the pace. Star-studded affair and trust issues. Starts a bid toward the inside. Rock and roll bolt in fourth as these maiden two-year-olds turn for home. Then B-52 wide cooking with Catman. We throw back to Vincita with Sabi and finally Snow King. Half mile 44. Point eighty-seven seconds. Crafted is one furlong away. Crafted gets those left-handers. While a four-length leader from Trust Issues. Second, Gamely. B-52 moves up between horses. Rock and roll bolt with the rail. They're close to home. Edgar Morales and Crafted. It's Crafted. The Buckeye bred. Crafted holding on from Trust Issues. B-52 third, then Star. Studded Affair and Rock and roll bolt. Unofficially 3-4-2 in the eighth race at Fairgrounds. Race looked like it might have been won right at the start, Bob. Not the greatest of beginnings for the favorite trust issues, but a phenomenal start for the first-time starter from Ohio, Crafted, who just beat the gate, opened up a big lead, and held on. Brazen display of speed by Crafted. Um, really kind of finished greenly. Um, might have run himself off his own feet. He went so fast, but... Uh, it's always interesting to see that morning activity transferred really sweetly into the afternoon. This is a horse um, that just on his work tab shows two works uh, five days apart on December 5th and December 9th. A, a sharp five furlong bullet uh, going a minute flat. And then from the gate, um, I, I assume in company, um, best of 15, 35, and 3 on December 9th. And broke like a shot um, like you said that was really impressive the gate opened and it looked like he was already two two and a half lengths in front turned for home and showed a little bit more kick and then started weaving just got tired um, but uh, well managed by Edgar Morales you could see him sort of struggle to get him onto his uh, right lead um, inside the eighth pole did so and had just enough to finish what probably looks like a, a, a pretty good horse and trust issues 
uh, took who took another step forward today. Uh, over bet he was, but if you took uh, the Asmussen well meant firster, then you were well rewarded. Uh, by the way, you were speaking of uh, horses doing what they showed in the morning. I used to like it at the fairgrounds. They have training races there, and it seemed like uh, a lot of the first-time starters would ha- will used to run in training races before their debuts, so you could see how they would do theoretically against other horses. They weren't going, you know, the best they could do in those training races, but they seemed like they did that, you know, for many, many years, and I don't know when it actually stopped, if it was 10, 15 20 years ago that they discontinued those training races, but those were interesting looks into, you know, sometimes how good some of these first-time starters were going to be. We don't have that luxury of seeing those training races anymore out at the fairgrounds. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get you prices at both Woodbine and Fairgrounds. We've got more live racing to come from both of those venues. Also going to look at a big news story from just a few days ago. This is the First Bet Racing Show on HRRN. Did you know that when you make time to do three simple things each day with your children, talking, reading, and singing, you're helping to shape and strengthen their brains for the years to come? I love to look at the pictures in a book and notice little details about the characters. I pause along the way to ask my child to wonder about how they might feel. When you ask open-ended questions like, what do you notice? Or what do you think will happen next? You're inviting them to be curious. All these rich conversations help develop both their vocabularies and their thinking skills. And it's a great way for you and your child to bond and discover the world together. As a father, helping my child is the most important thing to me. Each of us has the power to create a strong start for our children by talking, reading, and singing with them from the moment they're born and help them to enter school ready to learn and succeed in life. Visit TalkingIsTeaching.org for free tips, resources, and ideas on how to transform everyday moments into magical moments for learning. Dear Vet Ticks, it was nice to spend the night with my daughter and other veterans. It's so humbling to attend an event when you feel appreciated. I had a wonderful time with my family. Thank you for the memories, Vet Ticks. Dear Vet Ticks, thank you for a great experience and for your support of the military and veterans. Thank you so much, Vet Ticks. Our family has gone through a lot the last few years, and this gave us a nice break. Every empty seat at a concert, game, or special event is a missed opportunity to say thank you to a veteran or a service member. By giving your extra tickets to Vet Ticks, you'll help America's heroes reduce stress, strengthen family bonds, and create a truly happy memory that will last a lifetime. So when you really want to say thank you for your service, give the experience. Give the memory. Vet Ticks. Give something to those who gave. For more information on how you can make a difference, go to vetticks.org. The YMCA is just a starting line for the true self blooms only when we find our purpose, what makes us tick below the surface. My why is diversity in unity, a safe space in my community, living with sincerity, giving every day my everything. With my why, I stand strong, seen and supported all along. It's a million faces in a mirror and everyone belongs. Find your why. Learn more at ymca.org for a better us. Don't miss the Equine Forum every Saturday from 8 to 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on HRRN. Mike Penna brings you the latest in thoroughbred racing, featuring interviews with trainers, jockeys, owners, and other racing insiders. Plus, exclusive segments you won't hear anywhere else. 
the Equine Forum, the show that launched a network. Saturdays, 8 to 11 a.m. Eastern, Sirius 162, XM 207, and streaming live at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to The First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Brian's Iron Mike and Scuteria right there as they turn for home past the quarter pole. It's Scuteria charging between horses is Autumn's Strongman along with Mike J on the far outside. Here comes Bron and Brow who's charging hard with between horses Highland Creek. They come past the 16th. It is Bron and Brow right there toward the inside. Mike J and Highland Creek battles between horses. Mangum toward the inside descends on the line. It's Mangum. Mangum to win it from Braun and Brow. Mike J third. Highland Creek was fourth. Corey Lanning and Mangum up in time. Welcome back. First Bet Racing Show here on HRRN. Bobby Newman, Bob Nastanovich. Time is running out to enter the First Bet $20,000 sweepstakes series. Earn entries for every wager you make through December 31st to win a $1,000 betting voucher. Get bonus entries on weekdays and on first tracks. Ten runner-up winners get a $500 betting voucher. Another 100 third-prize victors get $100 betting vouchers. Can't win if you don't opt in, so load up your first bet account and stop, uh, stop, and start wagering. Uh, all right, we owe you some prices from both Woodbine and from Fairgrounds, but before we get to those, it's time now for the Blood Horse News Update and a look at the top headlines from bloodhorse.com. Well, here's an interesting one. It's actually a press release from Churchill Downs. Churchill Downs stakes to provide entry at Epsom and Ascot. Churchill Downs has announced a new partnership with the British Jockey Club and Ascot Racecourse to offer a program in which horses competing during Kentucky Derby Week can receive an entry and travel incentive for races at Epsom Downs Racecourse and the Royal Ascot Meeting. Two races on Kentucky Derby Day, May 4th, will offer horses an entry-level and travel incentive to run at Royal Ascot mid-June. The winner of the Grade 1 Turf Classic Stakes will receive a berth to either the one-mile Group 1 Queen Anne or the mile-and-a-quarter Group 1 Prince of Wales. Earlier on the Kentucky Derby Day program, the winner of the Grade 2 Twin Spires Turf Sprint will receive an entry to the Group 1 King Charles Stakes, a race formerly known as the King's Stand. Three-year-old turf specialists in the Grade 2 American Turf Stakes and the Grade 2 Edgewood Stakes can receive their entry to either the Group 1 Epsom Derby or Group 1 Epsom Oaks. Winner of the American Turf on Kentucky Derby Day will receive an entry and travel stipend to compete in the Epsom Derby while one day earlier on Kentucky Oaks Day, the winner of the Edgewood will receive the same benefits for the Epsom Oaks. That wraps up this afternoon's edition of the Blood Horse News Update. Have the latest racing, breeding, sales, and industry news and analysis, plus entries, results, race replay videos, and more at your fingertips with the Blood Horse Daily app for your phone, updated throughout the day, or delivered daily in an email, or you can listen on your Alexa device. All are free. Blood Horse Daily has the largest subscriber slash user base of any thoroughbred industry electronic daily newsletter or app. Go to bloodhorse.com forward slash daily to download the app or sign up. All right, Bob, you're uh, somebody I know that follows the 
European racing closer than most people here in this country. When I first read this, uh, I thought it was interesting because it is interesting that uh, horses that win certain races here will have automatic berths as well as help with uh, travel expenses to run in some big races over in the U.K., but I have to admit, and tell me if I'm, if I'm looking at this the wrong way, I'm a little, <clears throat> I don't know if upset is the right word, kind of ambivalent to it because it's taking good horses that are based here in this country for at least one start possibly away from racing in this country. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting, right? And I think it... Um First of all, I think it takes an unusually gifted horse to come go from North America over to Europe in the thick of the flat season to make an impact in, in huge races. Um, I mean, it would be amazing to see a horse that ran Derby Week make any kind of impact on either the Derby or the Oaks. Um, I think it's – I mean, if you were entertaining such an idea as an American owner – it's lovely that the transportation costs are part of the deal because it's getting more and more expensive, almost prohibitive to send horses um, at least that direction um, overseas. And, of course, when the bulk of them come uh, for an event like the Breeders' Cup, those are um, you know, rates that are significantly dropped because of the quantity. And then, of course, if they're coming from Coolmore, there's unlimited money there. And Godolphin, same story. Um, so you can see how it's a lot easier, um, and really, to be honest with you, a drop in class and competition when they come from Eng- England and Ireland and race against our turf horses in most circumstances. So um, I don't know really what the incentive is other than the hope that really, really top-shelf, unusually gifted North American turf horses will want to go that direction. Uh, um, we'll see, I, I mean – to me, it's just um, it's an interesting idea. It'll be it'll be it'll be particularly um, enlightening to see who who takes them up on the uh, invitations. I mean, what what would you guess? Let, let's just hypothetically say a New York based horse who wins one of those big stakes at Churchill. What would be the travel cost for that horse? Uh, you know everything: shipping the horse, shipping, uh, you know, shipping the the part of the team as far as the trainers' team to go over and run at either Epsom or Royal Ascot. What what do you what, what is the ballpark cost of doing that as opposed to running at a race at Belmont or Saratoga for the next start? I mean, I would say round trip costs would be about twenty five grand. Um, you know, and that, that's the amazing thing about this too is that the purse money. In general, for our big turf races, are really, really healthy numbers uh, considering the competition you run against. Um, you know, you're running. I mean, it's truly the sport of kings over there, especially at, at Royal Ascot and Epsom. I mean, the prize money, you know, should be and is good for the Derby and Oaks and, and a lot of Royal Ascot races. Um, but. I mean, you what, the the money you run for at Colonial Downs or Kentucky Downs or or Churchill or Saratoga um, in the summertime, you know, you, as you see, you see a lot of European horses from England, Ireland, and France, for that matter, coming over and plundering um, huge prizes on a regular basis, and and they're coming over because the purses are so high. 
So I don't, I don't, I don't really see, you know, why, why that many American horses would want to go the other. You see it sometimes. I mean, Kenny McPeak um, has has sent horses over there. I mean, I mean, um, Graham Motion has a number of, you know, great. You get a horse like Teppen, um, who of course went over and won a, a, a mile race at, at Royal Ascot. She's just an exception, exceptional uh, uh, filly. She was. Um, so yeah, if there's if there's horses like Teppen um, wanting to go over there, it's pretty cool that they'll they'll pay her away. They they basically it's an incentive. The goal is for them to see see the best of what we have because we they keep sending over the best of what they have, particularly for Breeders' Cup. All right, interesting nonetheless. No matter what way you think about it, and we'll see if anyone takes advantage of that. Uh, in 2024. Uh, let's get the prices out for the second at Woodbine, where number six to Pring is no longer a maiden. She won. Four-year-old Bay Philly by Reload out of the Yonaguska mare. Dicey girl. There's a name you don't hear very often anymore. Owned by Bay Ridge Orchards and others. Trained by Krista Cole Simpson with Fraser Ebley, the rider. Yes, um, to Pring. Big breakthrough uh, uh, for that one there. 1790. To win 25th lifetime start breaks the maiden 680 to place 440 to show sweeping passion from the inside good effort 560 to place 430 to show and few regrets dawdled at the start cost her in the end but she kept on coming finished uh, third paid 420 to show the one dollar exact is 640 dollars even the 20 cent trifecta 613 49 12 and the twenty cent superfecta six one three eight, a healthy three hundred six dollars and forty eight cents. Uh, over at Fairgrounds, results are in for their eighth race, uh, where we saw a first time starter number three crafted hold on for a wire to wire win. Two year old Bay Colt by Vino Rosso out of the Bodie Meister mare Storm Raven, owned by Winchell Thoroughbreds, trained by Steve Asmussen with Edgar Morales. Yeah, Vino Rosso, very popular sire these days. His uh, freshman crop has been very, very good. Um, he, of course, won the Breeders' Cup Classic, so we can expect them to uh, train on. Um, crafted, um, we were talking earlier in the show how there's a little bit of a dearth of uh, probably the top level of sprinters. I know this is just a maiden race, but he showed that he's a very fast young horse. So crafted the three, wins his debut um, impressively. Um, despite tiring in the last 16th, um, if he moves forward from that, he could be a force. And uh, he paid a really nice 12.60 to win from the Asmussen Barn with Sharp Works, four to play, 3.40 to show. Trust issues. The three to five favorite uh, got motoring late, couldn't get there. 2.40 to place, 2.20 to show. The two B52 in third paid 3.40 to show. One dollar exact a three four fourteen eighty fifty cent try three four two twenty five sixty five and the ten cent super three four two seven sixty two dollars and twenty cents. Third race at Woodbine is nearing post time. Five and a half furlongs on the synthetic main track. Three-year-olds and up non-winners of two races lifetime. They're in for a $5,000 claiming tag. Scratch the one, Uncle Remy. Number two, Mia and Me is the nine-to-five favorite right now and 21% top choice of the first bet AI. Yeah, Mendel John in here um, was bet down to two-to-five last time. The eight horse at the uh, same level. And finished a really disappointing third. Um, 
today the price is more realistic. Right now, um, that one is uh, he's five to two. Uh, still don't like him. Don't like the way he finished that day. The fancy Phyllis is kind of interesting in here. Um, that one is uh, currently looks like um, you have nine to two. Fancy Phyllis owner Bruno Schickadance has been around for a long time on this circuit. Um, this one Drotten takes a needed drop in class after two races in, in, in which, quite frankly, she stopped. Not encouraging signs. I'm going to go with me and me. She's one for 19. We've seen a lot of uh, horses that don't win often on the show win. She's a logical favorite. Um, she's been flattening out over the seven furlong distance. I think five and a half furlongs a day is, is more suitable. And I think she'll get the job done from the inside, which looks like a good place to be on the synth at uh, Woodbine. All right, uh, Philly taking on the boys. Number three, Fancy Phyllis. Mia and Mia, a four-year-old gelding, moving in, and uh, they are loading quickly for this third race at Woodbine. Nine to five on the two, Mia and me. Five to two on number eight, Mendel John. Three to one on the Philly, Fancy Phyllis. Bet down from six to one on the morning line. Just a couple left to load. CR Hotshot. One from the outside with Luis Contreras aboard. Luis Contreras going to head out west to Santa Anita to ride during their winter meet after this Woodbine meet is done. Here's Robert Geller on the call of race three. Back in there, off a bit slow. Wild conversation, best away. Mendel John going for the lead, getting it to Fancy Phyllis. Midnight Moonshine in third and driving in the center past the put and please from Mia and me. Kicking into gear now, wild conversation with Spring in the step from the back, dropping to last, CR Hotshot. Fancy Phyllis at a good tempo in front of the half mile by over length. In Sega Mendel John on the inside going through his past the put and please from Midnight Moonshine. Two lengths away, Mia and me. Started to come into it nicely, is well behind nonetheless. And then came wild conversation, last of all yet to tack on, CR Hotshot. Fancy Phyllis by over length to Mendel John. Two away past the put and please Midnight Moonshine and well behind them. See a hot shot from last is running as they corner. Fancy Phyllis turns in front up the inside past the put and please trying to run into it. On the outside Mendel John and down the center of the track is Midnight Moonshine. Fancy Phyllis in front by a length to Mendel John and on the inside past the put and please and finishing on the outside is Midnight Moonshine but now coming is Mendel John to challenge Fancy Phyllis. Fancy Phyllis and Mendel John. Mendel John trying desperately as they go right down to the wire. Metal John at the wire, I'd say, from Fancy Phyllis. Back in third is Midnight Moonshine, and then came past the put and please a photo for the win. 16.01. I think he had it right. Looked like 8365, the unofficial top four. Favorite runs out of the top four. Number two, Mia and me, nowhere to be found. Second choice, Mendel John. You mentioned, Bob, a little bit before the race. Ends up getting the job done and wearing down the Philly fancy Phyllis in the final strides. Yeah, definitely was not the favorite me and me's day. Uh, kind of real dawdled early, and uh, uh, poor Kasushi Kamura. Is he going out to California again, too? Because he did quite well out there in Sandy. You've heard anything about his uh, winter plan, Kamura? I, I, I think he is. You know, the, the, the winter meet, I, I think a lot of the riders... There are a lot of riders, not only around our country, around North America, but around the world, that have looked, let's say, you know, I, I, I don't have a way of sugarcoating this, but have looked at the riding colony out in Southern California for the most part and said, oh, well, I can do better than that. And uh, that's why Flavian Pratt is out there in the winters. That's why Frankie DeTore is uh, still riding and out there in the winter. That's, you know, partly by why 
John Velasquez was out there for a couple winners, why Joe Bravo was out there for several years, and I think why Kamura and Luis Contreras are going out there, plus the fact that, you know, their meet's closing. You know, they're not going to just sit around and do nothing, so why not try it out there? It's a nice place to spend the winter, and, and uh, Kamura turned some heads last year out there. I mean, he, he went out there outside of can, uh, Canadian racing as a relative unknown and did quite well. And uh, Contreras, of course, has been a force on this circuit um, for years. It'll be interesting to see what this uh, bug rider, Sophia Vives, did. She, again, was very impressive there. Um, she got Fancy Phyllis out on a clear lead and really led every step of the way until the last jump in which she was worn down there by uh, another very good rider, Rafael Hernandez, on uh, Mendel John. So uh, the um, the interesting thing about that race, uh, me and me didn't run a jump. Kamira had to ride him the whole the whole way, and, and uh, his stable mate, Mendel John, from the both from the Darwin Bannock uh, stable, uh, gets the win. And uh, but uh, again, another very difficult race to handicap this time of year. Tail end of the meet. The time of year when it's not hard to fill a race at Woodbine because everybody's taking one last shot before they either get turned out or head elsewhere. And uh, just tough races, bottom-level stuff. And uh, Metal John, who is one for ten lifetime, got the win. Uh, as we came out of our last break, we heard one of the uh, many Louisiana Champions Day stakes run this last uh, weekend out at Fairgrounds. It was the sprint won by Mangum, a horse I know that you liked a little bit uh, in the sprint. Got a, a great ride coming from way off the pace uh, under Corey Lannery to get up and win by a half a length at odds of 9-2. to two. Uh, A fun day of racing at the Fairgrounds uh, last Saturday with all those state-bred races. Star of the show, uh, not a horse you could really bet on, but touch upon a star in winning the Champions Day Classic. Only a, a field of four in that race, and he was one to five. But, I mean, he just he's just better than the horses he runs against there. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's just in a, in a class all his own. And um, really, he's just, uh, and, you know, like you mentioned, uh, Mangum. He, he he ran so well, he he um, did something I rarely see, fooled John Dooley, I mean, a track announcer that's always very much on the ball. He uncorked a rally that uh, John Dooley couldn't even see coming. Yeah, it happens from time to time, but not too often. All right. Uh, unofficial still at Woodbine, 8365. They posted the top four, but still not official. We'll get you those prices in a few minutes. Over at Fairgrounds, ninth race on their card. About a mile and an eighth on the turf. These are uh, It's a maiden special weight event for the two-year-old Phillies. Scratch numbers 12, 13, and 14. First bet AI says number five, way to be Marie for Rob Atris And Florent Giroux is where you want to be. Eight to five on the board right now. And coming off just a nose defeat against maiden special weight competition at Aqueduct in her most recent start. Yeah, this is an interesting race. I thought Miss Sedona in here is 20 to 1 in the morning line, a Justify Philly first time starter. We know how good these Justifies are. And uh, Ray Lou Gutierrez took the, takes the race for Tom Morley, who's got a pair in here, a pair of firsters. Um, Miss Sedona's 20 to 1, and not tonight, Joe's 31 to 1. So pretty, pretty negative signals there, but I gave them both a look. First time Lasix on the two, Miss Harmonic, who kind of woke up on the grass last time at Keeneland for trainer Grant Forrester. Uh, one of his uh, main guys, Corey Lannery, takes the mount. That one's being bet, the Nyquist uh, Philly. She's 5-1. to one. Um, It's hard for me to uh, go against Way to Be Marie here. 8-5 to five is a difficult price. 
but uh, plenty of stamina in the female family, and I think she's pretty live for a trainer who's uh, now one for one at uh, fairgrounds in his first four way four A down in uh, New Orleans. So it's uh, pretty exciting to see a number of these New York trainers relocating there with their turf horses. All right. Well, these two-year-old fillies are making their way from the main track across the little pathway onto the turf course, which looks beautiful right now, early part of the season. And uh, for the most part, Mother Nature has cooperated thus far with turf racing, uh, not every day, but a lot of days, uh, in the early parts of this 2023-2024 racing season down in New Orleans. And the fillies are gathering just in behind the starting gate and getting set to load field of 11 going to post in here. Uh, still 8-5 to five on the 5 way to be Marie. She was way ahead of the third place finisher when she finished second in that race at Aqueduct last time out. 11 per factor. Second choice in the wagering at 4-1 to one for Cherie DeVoe and Brian Hernandez Jr. Uh, coming off uh, a midfield fifth place finish at odds of almost 31-1 to one in her debut uh, against Maiden Special Weight Competition at Keeneland. Doesn't really get any tougher than that, uh, but she does not get a break as far as the post positions go. Going to have to overcome the outside gate. It's really funny here. When they've got the rails out like they do today at the fairgrounds, Bob, uh, number 11 per factor is as close to the outside rail as number one, Cora's Legacy, is to the inside rail. Very thin strip and uh, really good to see these uh, juveniles loading really quickly at fairgrounds. We've seen a few uh, sets of juveniles uh, make cause a lot of trouble at the start. These look quite a bit more professional, but I don't want to speak too soon. We still have uh, three gates to fill, the 5, 10, and 11. Yeah, and we actually haven't got number 8 still temper in quite yet. She's thinking about it. They're nudging her in right now. And she's just about a a half a step shy of going in. Yep, she has gone in. Here's the nine without cause. Jareth Loveberry having a nice start to his fairground season uh, aboard. Just two to the outside. Ragtime lady Edgar Morales aboard. He's already got wins on today's card and uh, was off to a slow start for the fairgrounds meet. But having a nice Thursday is Edgar Morales per factor to the outside gate. Here's John Dooley on the call. They're in the gate. And they're off. Still temper broke well with Tempting Lady. And the purple cap nearest the inside is Cora's Legacy, who's also going out to just lead them. Cora's Legacy in front here in the early stages. Tempting Lady on the outside. Without cause is close up with Jose Guerrero. It's Cora's Legacy, a 31-to-1 leader from Tempting Lady and Without Cause as they make their way toward the first turn. Way to be Marine. And the maroon with the gold epaulets running in fourth place. Toward the inside, not tonight, Joe in fifth. Per factor is sixth, and they have seven for longs to run. Then in between horses, after a sharp start, still tempers next. As they go to the back of the course, Ragtime Lady is saving ground. With on the outside is Miss Harmonic in the green cap while racing five clear from Joyful Image. And the first-time starter, Ms. Sedona, has dropped back to 11th and last. The opening quarter, 23.47 seconds. Cora's Legacy leads the maiden juvenile Phillies turf to a half mile from home. Cora's Legacy in front of Tempting Lady Without Cause has the white cap. Way to be Maria's just in fourth. Not tonight, Joe in fifth. Per factor is sixth. Still temperance seventh. Ragtime Lady is eighth. Miss Harmonic running in ninth. Then uh, Ms. Sedona and Joyful Image has dropped back to last. The front runner still, Core's Legacy. 
half mile in 49.93 seconds. That 31 to 1 target, Coors Legacy coming toward the quarter pole. Leads without cause by two. Way to be Marie. She's quickening now. Here's Way to be Marie, who draws in here on Coors Legacy. Tempting lady, and not tonight, Joe. They're homeward bound. Way to be Marie. After three quarters in one minute, 14.35 seconds. Way to be Marie. Has swept in front. One furlong to go. Without cause. Running on with the rail. Coors Legacy is third. Ragtime lady in fourth. Perfector is fifth. They're coming inside the final half furlong with Laurent Giroux. Way to be Marie. Way to be Maria scored the winning run by three quarters length to without cause. Ragtime Lady third, then Coors Legacy, Joyful Image, and Perfector. Unofficially 5 9 10 1 in the ninth race at Fairgrounds. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get you the prices at Woodbine, get you the prices at Fairgrounds as we lead into our call in show. This is the first bet racing show on HRRN. A gentle breeze blows across your face as you take a refreshing sip of water, appreciating the stillness of another morning fishing on the lake. The distant gurgle of a stream reminds you of days spent playing in the creek, the cool, clear water rushing between your toes. You love this time with nature, the feeling of putting everything on hold to connect with the world around you. Now, imagine it's all gone. No fish, no lake, no water. One of life's most vital resources, irreplaceably depleted. Time is running out to protect fresh water, and without our love, it can and will disappear. It's our choice. Love it or lose it. Help protect our fresh water. Visit World Wildlife Fund at wwf.org love. On the battlefield, there's a saying America's military men and women live by. Never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Off the battlefield, Wounded Warrior Project operates with the same goal. We leave no warrior behind. Wounded Warrior Project is a nonprofit organization created to help our men and women returning home with the scars of war. Whether those scars are physical or mental, we're here to make sure that they heal. And whether it's helping those with post-traumatic stress disorder live a normal life again or giving much-needed support to injured warriors and veterans' hospitals. Because no one deserves our help more than the men and women who risk their lives to keep us safe. Wounded Warrior Project. We never leave a fallen warrior behind. Ever. Learn more about what we do at WoundedWarriorProject.org. Because that's a really important job. I would hope kids get better and make everything super fun. I'd have a cool waiting room with games, toys, and a huge TV. If your child is sick over and over again, it could be PI, a serious defect of the immune system. Early testing gives children a chance to dream. And I'll give every kid a cherry lollipop because that's the best flavor. Jeffrey Modell Foundation, helping children reach for their dreams. Visit info4pi.org. Hi, this is jockey Brian Hernandez. For me, there's no bigger thrill than crossing the finish line in front, and nobody captures the excitement of our sport like Horse Racing Radio Network. Each week, HRRN brings you exclusive talk shows, podcasts, and in-depth conversations with the biggest names in racing, jockeys, trainers, owners, and more. Plus, HRRN is committed to helping disabled riders through their support of the PDJF. So climb aboard a winner today by visiting horseracingradio.net. 
You're listening to the First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Dean delivers by the 516th pole. The lead's just over a length. The big martini and Zydeco. In behind, Willie Boy starting to make up some ground. Shaq Diesel's wide on the course, but is gaining Cozeris in behind horses. Dean delivers, arrives at the top of the stretch. Cutting the corner, Zydeco in behind. Big Martini, Willie Boy down the center of the course is starting to make some inroads along with Shaq Diesel. Dean delivers still there at the eighth pole. Shaq Diesel down the outside. Willie Boy, they have a final 16th to go. Dean delivers. Shaq Diesel trying to come right over the top. Dean delivers, reaches. Shaq Diesel on the outside. They drive to the wire. Shaq Diesel. Very close, though. Dean delivers had the head down at the wire. It's very close between the four and the five there. I'm not going to call that photo. Photo finish here. It was indeed Shaq delivers Bob's choice during the weekend stakes preview last week, and Shaq Diesel was able to get up and beat the big favorite Dean delivers in the Marion County Division of the uh, FTBOA Florida Sires Series at Tampa this past weekend. Welcome back. Final segment here on the First Bet Racing Show. Oh, you some prices from both Woodbine and Fairgrounds. Third at Woodbine went to the eight Mendel John, three-year-old Bay Gelding by Mendelssohn out of the Invincible Spirit Mare Spirit Queen owned by John Hillier and John Lofts. Darwin Bonnack, the trainer, with Rafael Hernandez. Yeah, today was the day uh, for uh, Mendel John to pick up uh, win, number, win number two. And uh, Mendel John got there on the wire, uh, led in the last jump, paid 610 to win, 370 to place, 260 to show. Fancy Phyllis, great effort, just got picked up, uh, paid 520 to place, 330 to show. Midnight Moonshine, the six, paid 350 to show. $1 exacta, 83, $20.30. 20-cent trifecta, 836, $14.55. And the 20-cent super, Eight three six five forty nine dollars and six cents. Ninth race at Fairgrounds went to the favorite number five, Way to Be Marie, a two year old Bay Philly by Not This Time out of the Henry the Navigator Mare Woman of the World, owned by Bob LaPenta and Madicat Stables, trained by Rob Attris with Florent Giroux. Rob Attris, two for two now on the meet, very confident handling by Florent Giroux. Um, brave effort by the second in here without cause, the nine. That's a maiden waiting to happen, uh, winner waiting to happen there. The uh, without cause follow that one. Way to be Marie, 420 to win, 320 to place, 260 to show. Without cause, the nine paid 560 to place, 440 to show. And long shot ragtime lady for the Amos barn paid $19.40 to show. I'm going to have to cut you off, Bob. We're right, we're right out of you time. Thanks for joining us on the First Bet Racing Show. Coming up next, the call-in show, 888-966-HRRN, the number. Have a great night, everybody.